Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, a part of the amazing FBA family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader, co-hosted by myself, Michael Vizi, and Jason Miles, top 1% Shopify store owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving e-commerce business, look for The E-Commerce Leader on your favorite podcast app and subscribe today. Hey folks, we're back with Damon Meredith, the creative whirlwind that is uh, Mer- Damon Meredith. And uh, today we're going to really be deep diving into the questions that were implied by the last episode where we talked about the general um, concept of retail branding strategies and, and you know what the differences are and, and what the sort of levels differences are between that and the sort of what we used to on Amazon. And today we're going to get deeper into that and just think about really how we actually get our product into the stores, what some of the mechanics are from the 50,000 foot perspective and some of the things that you've got to get nailed before you walk through the door and as it were with a big box retailer. So stay tuned. I think that even if you never sell to big box, you need to understand how they work because if you don't go to big box off rate Amazon, guess what I think they're coming off big box into the Amazon space because they've got to sell somewhere and the stores have been shut physically in much of the UK, Europe, America for the last uh, few months and they've had to wake up to the online thing like never before. So whether you like it or not, you're going to be either selling to them or competing with them. So I think it behoves you to understand their world at the very least. So do listen up, do take some notes and enjoy the episode. Now, obviously, in a store, and I've got a client who's got a, a product that I do a bit of management. It's a tiny, tiny business, but I, I manage their their Amazon presence. And it's just an interesting little case in point that if you saw it in a store, in a sort of gift store, you might go, oh, I'm going to buy that. But you're never going to get visibility on Amazon because it's not keyword driven. So yeah. how, how do you square those two circles? Because something that might be perfect for retail, because it, it looks so interesting when you see it, is never going to yeah. be visible on Amazon because it responds to keyword. I mean, it, how does that that dynamic payout. Well, the trick is, is certainly for us now, what we're what we're doing um, is we're making sure it works on Amazon if it's going to be sold on Amazon, and we make it make sure it works for retail if it's going to be sold at retail. It's they're kind of not always, um, and there's crossover, but they can be different things, and it's just something to be aware of. Just because you've got a product selling on Amazon doesn't necessarily mean it will work at retail, but that also works in reverse, and I I, I can vouch for that because. We'd been too clever to some degree with our, everything was highly innovative, but then of course it doesn't convert for the keywords you need it to. So uh, we've got an oversized peeler, which peels all sorts of incredible things. You can even peel a fresh pineapple and pumpkins and butternut squash and all that stuff. It's a big peeler, right? So, but how many people are looking for a big peeler compared to um, a peeler on Amazon? So, you know, again, getting it to convert for the search term peeler is difficult because it's innovative, but it works at retail. And we, we had it in, in, in all sorts of uh, stores, thousands of stores took it. We sold uh, tens or hundreds of thousands of them. So, yeah, I, I, without wishing to sound vague, again, I'm just coming back to the same point, which is it depends. And, you know, part of the, part of the remit now for us is, you know, we're trying to build relationships with, with Amazon FBA sellers so that they'll come to us and we'll, we'll have a look and we'll see if we can develop it with them either ahead of a sale or, 
or if they're ready to sell, maybe maybe some sort of acquisition initially. So, you know, that's kind of the service we're offering, I guess. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, yeah, then it's good to reference that. As I, I did encourage you before the show, I said, don't forget to mention that you're lucky to buy brands potentially or yeah. co-develop with a, with a brand, which yeah, is yeah. really cool, quite different. Uh, yeah, our money is as good as anybody's. We've got. I mean, obviously, there's there's a ton of these as of Amazon roll-ups now, and we, I suppose, our our, our track is that we, we feel like we're offering something slightly different. Um, yeah, uh, having interviewed multiple ones of them and had private conversations, I would I would second the fact that yeah. it is different. I think yeah. first of all, there's a lot of American voices in the space, and and you know they they have got just monster amounts of capital behind them because American. And American capital markets seem to be even more generous than the British ones, but there's plenty of money in London. And, and I think I, I speak to people who, because of where I live and the people I know yeah. in the city of London, there's still a lot of money hunting for a home. And and the other thing I would say, though, is, is your background in product development at that le- level of depth is really quite different from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. So I do think it's quite unique just yeah. to re- reassure any, anyone who's listening wants to talk to Damon about this we've had off off air chats and this is a man who absolutely clearly knows all about this stuff a couple of simple questions then to well simple questions with complex answers let's talk about money so obviously we've implied that it's going to be a huge amount of effort and it may or may not be the right thing for some people what are the typical costs for developing a serious brand shall we say or serious range of products that could be retail ready it's how long is a piece of string question but give us some kind of answer (laughs) um Okay, I mean, I don't mind sharing. I, I would think that by the time we've gone deep in stock and created all the branding, all the content, all the photography, the packaging design, the trademarks, the pattern applications where relevant, you know, I think we've spent the best part of about five or 600,000 sterling to, to get the brand going, which is quite a lot of money. What's that in dollars? Seven or $800,000, not as much as it used to be. So that was the order of things for us but you've got to remember that we were creating products that required bespoke tooling so uh, a tool for a a new product might be anything from five thousand to twenty thousand dollars so you can do it for less um, and actually you can do it for much less depending on what it is if it doesn't require tooling and it's more of a single innovation or um, a product which might have multiple iterations and what i mean by that is if you take something like duvet covers right you can create a duvet cover without any tooling at all and you can create iterations with different prints and colors of of, of that product relatively inexpensively so you know you could get something to market for maybe as little as fifty thousand dollars depending on what it is and then it's just a question of does it catch how big are the order sizes when you do get sales and is it generating enough free cash flow for you to build out the range it's quite unlikely that you launch a single product however innovative it is and then not have to expand that range later so the question is can you do it from the free cash flow you've generated in product one or do you need further investment so that's quite a big range and i appreciate that but and there's also different ways of selling it's important to understand that some of the retailers are big enough to buy in what's called fob quantities and that simply means that that means that they'll meet the factory minimums so we're all aware of factory minimums whatever that might be if they're big enough to buy three, 5,000 units, that sale is incredibly simple. You literally get a PDF order from the retailer uh, you or the distributor, I should add. You have it manufactured by your factory and then they pay you and they pick it up and you never see it again. Obviously, if you're selling to small stores, they won't buy 3,000 or 5,000 big peelers. They'll buy uh, six <laughs> or 12, and that gets a whole lot more complicated. Now you've got to have a, a warehouse that's capable of picking and packing small quantities, 
uh, and you've got to be able to bill them for that small order, which might be $100, $150, and you've got to collect the money. Uh, we were, I think we were shipping five or 600 mom and pop stores in the States at one point, and the orders would be $150, $200. And then, you know, you'd invoice them. It would take them three months to pay. When they did pay, they'd phone up with their credit cards. They're trying to get air miles. And it was incredibly bitty. If you can get into big retailers uh, with FOB quantities, that's the easiest way to sell to retail. That's a really very simple model. But you've got to come up with products that big stores will buy. So that's the that's the challenge. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it, how sometimes it's, this is a kind of mind-blowing numbers. I'm sure that any newbies who are listening and the, the 10K Collective is, is not geared to those, although they, they're welcome to listen to Amazing FBA, where we have, I believe, now 450 episodes. There's plenty of content for people who are brand new to the space. But yeah. those are slightly intimidating numbers. But I think they give a good reality check, like 500,000 sterling, like you know, quarters of three you know three quarters of a million US, whatever it is. That's kind of scary numbers but as you say you might be able to get it down to five to twenty thousand us dollars i mean it what it does is throw into sharp relief how really the, the idea that you can get into the little guys in with private labeling really has proven true as mm-hmm. long as you you put some proper figures on it i mean 500 is a lot 20 is cheap yeah. 1000 is kind of joke money if you're taking a private labeling and people try yeah. and sell people the idea you can do that and i say no 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 no. Yeah. So, talking tens of thousands rather than thousands you're okay yeah. but i love the, the fact that you've you've given a reality check even though it's a bit scary i think it's doable but yeah. the other side of it is that you what you've shown is really when you get to a certain there are certain kinds of sizes that it's like quantum levels in physics. Like I'm not a physicist, but my understanding is that things at the microscopic level don't just sit where in random places they are at this level. And then they jump to this level and they jump to this level. And it seems like if you can make that quantum leap to really big orders, the mechanics of it are very simple. Yeah. I presume that the, the process to get there is just a nightmare. Is that your experience? And how does that work? It's tough to say you can get lucky. If I had my time again, I'd stick to FBA, you know, sort of full factory FOB order quantities and, and just reduce the number of retailers that I was selling to. I should I should just go back to that those figures that I banded around because they do sound scary. You don't need uh, five $600,000 to start or pounds to start. You can do it for much less. I think my first product, our total budget was $30,000, which is still a lot. But remember, we had to create a tool and that in, that in itself was seven or eight thousand dollars. So you don't need that much to get going, but you you need to make sure that first product is innovative. So you know, I had a little invention that nobody had thought of doing. It's interesting to, to hear that your wife bought a flat colander because I invented that category uh, for my sins. There weren't any flat colanders, but when I turned up, uh, we got copied a lot. But it, you know, in that instance, we we had something that wasn't available anywhere else. So we were getting orders from fairly major stores fairly quickly who just wanted this newness that I was talking about earlier. So you can start with much less. Um, and particularly if you can ship these these factory order quantities, you don't have to hold deep stock. If you're trying to ship lots of, lots of little orders, uh, then you need deep stock. You don't if you're only selling to fairly decent sized retailers that will take FOB quantities. Yeah, that's so interesting. So the dynamic of it is is kind of counterintuitive unless you've already done it. So if you ship to lots of small, and as soon as you explain it, it's kind of obvious. And I've seen something of this with, with some of my clients that are small, 
in small samples because most of them don't do this model yet but mm. it's obviously if you ship to like a thousand mom and pop stores as you put it then it's going to be a nightmare logistically and you're going to have to have like 10 warehouse staff or, or more dedicated to that task and that's a big old overhead which also means that if they stop ordering or it slows down you've got a big yeah. overhead to hit whereas the nightmare that it may be to get in the door with a big uh, buyer it, the simplicity of it is so great that i guess it's going to massively reduce overhead and complexity right i mean it's, it's yeah. very it's kind of counterintuitive but it feels like if you go for the bigger play then although it will take longer to pay off and it's slightly higher risk in the short term because you could be financing everything and you haven't got the money coming back that it's really the way to go is that is that a fair summary dream scenario is a highly innovative product at a high price point that you can sell to big box retail so i I, i'm not going to I don't want to try and give examples, but we've all seen them. We've all seen these outlier successes. Some of the people I I have met through my travels did Nutribullet. Do you remember the Nutribullet? It's uh, it's still around actually. So remember it. It's, yeah, you go uh, with the is it with the coffee thing, whatever it is. Is that right, yeah. or is that a different thing? No, no, no. no. This is a. It's, it, I, uh, they'd kill me for saying this. It's essentially a blender, right? But right. it's an upside down blender, uh, and it, it it just went ballistic. It. it they did a brilliant job on the marketing um, and they managed to explain that their blender extracted more nutrients from, from fresh fruit and vegetables. And, you know, it not only did it blend for you, but it made you beautiful and thinner. And uh, and they did a fantastic job of marketing that. And that's kind of a single item, really. But it's high enough value that it's worth the effort. So, you know, I don't know what the retail is on it. Say it's $60, $70 for a nutrient, but it's probably less than that. I don't know what it is. Um, but it means that you know you can potentially source that for fifteen dollars, sell it for thirty dollars. You're making fifteen dollars on each one, right? For me, I, the mistake that I made was I'm not understanding the scale of retail and how many products they will sell. So my product was ten or twelve dollars at retail. It cost me a couple of dollars to make, and I'd sell it at three and a half, four dollars, right? So I had to sell a lot more of them to really move the needle on the business. So Dream Scenario is a high value product that's highly innovative that you can uh, sell to retailers in FOB quantities. If you can pull that off, then you're in business uh, and and actually probably uh, your business will grow from cash flow because the order sizes will be big. It's almost that simple. Expensive products, you know, something's 10 times more expensive than retail than a cheapo item you'll probably make 10 times as much money. I'm oversimplifying, but it kind of kind of how it works. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting how the dynamics of this. This is great. And the thing is about the dream scenario. It, okay, yes, on the one hand, it's, it's easy to say and hard to do. But on the other hand, if that you have a very, very clear aim and that's what you're aiming at, maybe it takes you 10 product innovations to get there. Mm-hmm. But I still think it's valid to to understand what you should be aiming at because you've got a very clear business model you've just outlined that I think is actually pretty simple in its essence and probably a complete you know bitch to do i'm trying to avoid swearing on my own podcast here but nevertheless worth doing whereas everything else is a sweat and you're probably just dying from exhaustion from trying to chase down 300 dollars bills owed by some tiny shops and that's a yeah. kind of miserable death isn't it as opposed to yeah. a worthwhile well, risk is well, what learn, I would learn say. from my mistakes and, and try to avoid that it's it was painful it's very difficult to do from a cold start if you've got infrastructure and a big range, particularly if you've got a big range, those those order sizes kind of increase. So I think we had 12 items and I think the stores would buy six of the 12. Obviously, they don't like all of them. But if you've got a 20, 30 product range and, you know, they buy 20 and it's higher value, then those order sizes go from two, three hundred dollars to maybe three thousand dollars. And so now it's worthwhile, right? It's worthwhile packing that and sending it and chasing the payment. So, yeah, I mean, this is all stuff we can help with, by the way, if, if there are sellers out there who are. And I'm thinking, 
would my product work for retail, maybe with a, a packaging and branding tweak? These are answer, questions I can answer in an instant. It's not going to take a lot of my time. And, and obviously, we're trying to build relationships with sellers that maybe one day might get in contact with us if they're looking to sell. Um, so I'm very happy to do that. But yeah, these are all the things that you need to be aware of and think of. Amazing. And then I guess that brings really neatly to another question I've got down here. I think the final question for this episode is really accessing the right talent, because obviously product designers of the level you're talking about don't grow on trees. You've got to have absolutely brilliant brand creators. And there is a sort of brand architecture, I suppose, that more sophisticated brands have that you've really got to think through and it helps to have somebody with sort of deep background. I guess one way to access the right talent is clearly to give you a ring or, or to get in touch with you. If people want to do that, how do they do that? first of all how do you want to play this michael i mean they are, until i'm swamped I'm, I'm quite happy just to give out my email address uh, what, what would you suggest is the best way yeah that's fine i mean you know i suggest that if people mention that they've come through amazing fba you might sort of you know yeah. know at least where, where they've come to you from but yeah we could Absolutely. do that and we'll certainly do a redirect from amazingfba.com forward slash balletic b-a-l-l-e-t-i-c so yeah. we'll we'll redirect your contact page yeah, you're yeah. welcome to give out your email address if you dare to do so on a live podcast i mean yeah because you, know, <laughs> you make it, it your, let's do it your way but i think yeah, yeah we just to point out people are going to be because i would do the same googling me i'm a complete internet ghost right you won't find me I defy you to find me on the internet. I've managed to avoid it completely. There's a a long story behind that. I used to have a a, a sort of significant LinkedIn account and it was linking me to all my designers and suppliers, people who viewed Damon's profile, also viewed Andrew's profile. It took me three years to find this guy and you've just given him away to people. So I I haven't got a LinkedIn profile and we're still, the Athletic website is just a holding site for now. We're kind of operating in stealth mode, just quietly building relationships I think anybody operating in the FBA space will understand that need for discretion because it's it's important. But if you if you do hit the website, there's not much on it. Just just use the link that Michael's going to provide. If you want to have a little look about the uh, VC company that we're embedded with, it's called Founders Factory. So we are a Founders Factory business, and they're helping us form the venture. And also, they've helped raise our capital, uh, which is significant now. Uh, we have a, a really good uh, facility uh, which allows us to acquire brands. Uh, so you can have a little look on that website if you want a little bit more detail about Founders Factory. Within the Founders Factory kind of stable, there are a ton of really clever, bright people, direct consumer marketers, influencers, all sorts of platforms that help with uh, selling product direct to consumer um, and all sorts. So you get a little window on my world from the Founders Factory website. Our website's not re- quite re- yet ready to launch. Uh, like I say, we're sort of operating stealthily. But uh, yeah, please get in touch if you're an FBA seller who who just is interested to see where the brand might go. If I can't help you, then my aim really on the call would be just to make sure I pass you on to somebody that can. So uh, that's kind of the deal, really. We're looking to get to know sellers, uh, particularly ones that are sort of looking to sell or ready to sell. And in return, we're just trying to help as much as we can. That's kind of that's kind of the offer. So, yeah, it's a very generous offer. And, and having spoken to you, you know, away from this call at length, I know you are incredibly insightful uh, about business more broadly than just product, just product development. Big as that area yeah. is, so it just one, <laughs> perhaps a bit of a reality check. Presumably, there's a sort of size of business that you would suggest. You know, whether you're defining it by free cash flow or, or revenue or years uh, that yeah. they've been selling. Yeah. Yeah, this, I mean, this is another call really, but I'm 
quite happy to share some of the insights in capital raising. But one of the structures, structural issues you have to overcome is that we, we can only deploy uh, certain sums of capital before it makes sense for our funding partners to get involved and, and, and back it and sign it off. So typically, we're looking for FBA sellers that uh, have some sort of trademark and brand registry. And typically, they're either rapidly approaching or doing a million, sorry, half a million dollars in recurring revenues or annual revenue. So we're looking for a sort of half million dollar upwards sellers with, with brand registry. And um, there's no top limit at the moment. Uh, we're, 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 we're well funded. So Nice. No top limit. I like it. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's obviously, you know, big brands don't go on, on trees, but I, there are people out there. There's quite a lot of people in the community of people that I know and serve that half a million on Amazon isn't so hard to achieve. As long as it's profitable, that's the harder bit. But I mean, yeah. as long as you, you sustained it to the point of doing half a million. Okay. Well, that that's great. I mean, there's a ton more to, to talk about. And I think that you've already raised the idea of funding which is yeah. a massive topic and we definitely want to revisit yeah. that. And you've also, you know, there's, there's lots of other things to talk through and not least, I guess the whole, you know, how do you prepare a brand to sell to, to venture capitalists and VC, which is a, a kind of a different beast from selling it to say a retired doctor or whatever. And yeah. there's a whole bunch of conversations there, but I think that's probably enough for people to take on board for now and, and to take your time up. Have you got any sort of final questions in the sort of narrower sphere of preparing your brand to sell to, to big box retail, ideally big box rather than mom and pop. What, what questions should I have asked you? Um, I mean, you can go into the stores, right? You can walk around. So just go into Bed Bath Beyond, go into John Lewis in the UK, go into Chibo stores and just have a look what they're selling and, and whether you feel like you could add something to their product range, particularly in the category that you're, you're, you're working in uh, and you'll get a, a really good idea. Uh, and like I say, I, my advice would be, either have a, a range uh, or, or have a roadmap or an eye on potentially having a range and try and stick to high value products if you can. It's a lot simpler. So, yeah. Yeah. Helps. Excellent advice. I like it. It's nice and, and yeah. clear. I mean, it's not, it's going to be a journey, not, not a quick win, but nevertheless, I think that's a really nice clear steer and, and yeah. to learn from your mistake of the, the mom and pop, I'm just visualizing you at sort of midnight, just just surrounded by the, all the letters and, and going i i need to chase these guys up for that 300 dollars, but it's yeah, 300 dollars. Yeah. can i be yeah. bothered that that was, sounds one worth avoiding for sure yeah i, I was scared i mean when, there was literally three of us running that brand and we had 1600 accounts wow. <laughs> yeah it was crazy and i we so a typical evening i'd get emails from lots of them asking to pay with credit card i was in the uk and a time difference and trying to accommodate that and pass it on to the accounts department who were asleep. And we'd also be getting sent, I think at one point we were getting like between 40 and 50 um, idea submissions a day. And um, what was quite a funny little anecdote was that the, we'd get people sending us ideas quite late in the evening, US. And my impression was of people that maybe been smoking something that they shouldn't have been smoking and had had a brilliant idea. The funniest of which was a testicle pillow, which is a, a, a pillow to, to, for your testicles to lie on and whilst you're asleep. I couldn't quite work out why. And I think maybe it was a joke. But yeah, that was my life for, for, for six or seven years really is, is responding to, to small stores and dozens and dozens of amateur inventors hundreds thousands of them so yeah it was a it was a tough learn and now i'm in amazon fba so here we are 
Excellent. Well, I can't really follow that extraordinary anecdote. So I think we're going to just wrap it up there. But again, um, if you're willing to give your email address out, then happy to do that. But I mean, certainly we'll redirect from amazingfba.com forward slash balletic, B-A-L-L-E-T-I-C. And as Damon's already flagged up and there's nothing much in the website, that means nothing. This this is not about trying to sell you a, a widget. It's about having a conversation with an intelligent yeah. person who's been around the block. So it doesn't make any difference. And I think the best people are often the sort of hidden conversation just hidden geniuses and i think i've stumbled across one here so yeah. damon it's been a, a very innovative chat it's certainly we've covered a lot of topics that i don't think have been covered on the show at all before and very very interesting we'll look forward to getting you back soon to talk about other things but in the meantime very many thanks for coming on the show no problem good good uh, good to speak to you michael Thanks so much for listening to the 10K Collective podcast, part of the family of amazing FBA podcasts. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader. The podcast is hosted by yours truly and Jason Miles, multi-million dollar Shopify owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be, it's got your name on it. For free guides and mini courses on many topics, go to www.theecommerceleader.com.